Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Cats, 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I am great. I'm so excited about our new cat book coming out today. It's always fun the day when we actually launch a new book. There's so much buzz about it. Fantastic. I cannot believe that we can learn something from cats. I'm not much of a cat person. I do like them, but I kind of felt I could relate to dogs better. But in reading this book, it's just such a delightful entertaining and I get the picture from cat lovers on how the cats really truly contribute to their happiness so congratulations on this release yeah I you know I agree with you because I was raised with dogs um, Mm -hmm. but I have a lot of family members who have cats and growing up with dogs you always think oh there's so much more to a dog than to a cat but yeah I've learned from all of our cat books and we have Oh, my gosh, at least half a dozen of them now. <laughs> I've learned that there's so much more to cats than we realize. We just think they're yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, if you're not a cat person and you've never had a cat, you might think that they're aloof and they only come out for food and they don't really care about their humans and, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and and I learned from these books that we've published about cats that cats really are members of the family and they really do care about their humans and they show compassion and they show remarkable intuition and people really do learn lessons Mm -hmm. about how to be happier, how to be more confident, how to just be better humans in general. They learn these lessons from their cats and that's what we, in this book, we have 101 life lessons from the cat and all these chicken soup for the soul stories. So it's a real eye-opener if you're not a cat person. Mm-hmm. And if you are a cat person and you want to turn someone else into a cat person, <laughs> having them read some of these stories would definitely work. I totally agree. By the way, just out of curiosity, how many stories did you all get for this book? I think it was several thousand. And oh, my God. I didn't read – I know. I didn't read the submissions. <laughs> I We had – a. I would say half a dozen people reading submissions. We have a big team of Mm -hmm. editors now who read the submissions for our books. And that's wonderful because every single submission is read at least one time. And some of them Mm -hmm. are read by two or three editors as they advance through the process. And then Mm -hmm. I'm usually given two or 300 finalists to review. Oh my God. And that's so hard because I have to narrow it down to 101 and Sometimes a story doesn't get in that's just as good as a story that right. did get in, but maybe they're on the same theme. And so right, whichever right. one I read first made it in, but then we right. save those really great stories for the next book, or maybe we even mm-hmm. find a place for them in a different book. Like maybe it was a great story about a cat at Christmas time and we move it to our Christmas book. Gotcha, so we do gotcha. try to find a home for all the great stories. That's fantastic. Do you all have this group like, okay, calling all cat people, I need you all to read several thousand stories. <laughs> we actually have specific, <laughs> no, we actually have specific chicken soup for the soul editors. Uh-huh. And I don't mind at all if the person reading the cat stories is not a cat owner. Because yeah. I think that these yeah. books are, are often used by cat owners to give as a gift right. to somebody who they want to turn into a cat owner or at least turn into somebody who will appreciate the cat. And so I think the great thing is that if it's somebody who is not a cat person and yet they still think the story is terrific, then that Mm -hmm. means that's a great chicken soup for the soul cat story. I agree. You're right. Because as we talk about in the beginning, I'm not really a cat person. That doesn't mean that I don't like cats, but I just relate better to dogs, right? Even though I grew up, we had two cats at the house in Malaysia with the dog, and they get along fine. It's just that as a kid, somehow the dog 
kind of play with you a lot more than the cat would be, right? So, but in reading the book, it really changes my perspective in terms of like how I can see, really truly see the connection that people have with their cats. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing that people will come away with is an appreciation for adopting cats from shelters or Mm -hmm, rescuing mm -hmm. that feral cat that seems to want to become part of your family or that stray mother cat who you found. I mean, people report on bringing in these unwanted cats and how they end up being incredible family members, just like people find when they adopt Mm -hmm. dogs from shelters. It's almost like the dogs and cats are grateful and they know that you adopted them and they value your relationship even more and bond with you even more. And we're actually using royalties from the book to benefit Mm -hmm. American Humane, uh, which is Mm -hmm. actually the country's oldest animal welfare organization. It's over 140 years old and they do great work supporting shelters. And also this is so important. They do rescue work when there are um, disasters like wildfires Mm -hmm. or hurricanes or floods, anything like that where lots of pets are displaced, they will rescue the pets and they will keep them safe until their owners can come back for them. Or Mm -hmm. if their owners can never come back for them, then they will find new homes for those dogs and cats. So we give royalties from all of our dog and cat books that we've done in the past, I don't know, maybe six or eight years, we give royalties Mm -hmm. from all of those books to American Humane. So we're really excited about the fact that this book is great entertainment, but also that every purchase supports this wonderful organization, American Humane. That's wonderful. You guys do a lot of this kind of stuff. though. That's one thing I like about Chicken Soup and being associated with you guys is that it's about giving and you guys give so generously. So thank you for that. Well, we do. And we also, I mean, we're all dog and cat people here. Everybody here Mm -hmm. loves pets or their family's pets. And then we also have a very large uh, business that makes a really high quality dog food and cat food. It's the kind of food that's recommended by breeders. And when they do those um, articles in, you know, dog and cat magazines where they talk about which foods are the highest quality mm-hmm. and don't have any ingredients from China and stuff like that. You know, they right. always talk about our food. And so we donate this really high quality food to shelters all over the country. We have a program with American Humane um, where I think it's called fill a bowl, feed a soul. I think it's what it's called. So we we fill we fill the bowls for the dogs and mm-hmm. cats in the shelters. Yeah. And um we we were going for a million meals, but I think we passed that I think we've far surpassed that now, providing, you know, more than a million meals. Mm-hmm. So when there are these disasters, we will send trucks, you know, at our expense. Wow. We will fill these trucks with our dog and cat food and we will send these trucks to wherever American Humane needs the food and we will also provide food to shelters. And one really cool thing we do is our puppy food is so filled with, you know, nutrients mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that a lot of the shelters, when they bring in, you know, a poor, abused, emaciated, unhealthy dog, they'll mm-hmm. ask us for the puppy food because they will feed the puppy food to these adult foods, you know, who need to gain yeah, weight fast yeah. and get and get yeah. healthy again. So that's very cool also that they use our puppy food to help cure these dogs. That's fantastic. What makes a person a perfect cat owner? So I feel like they have to have a sense of humor, which you need with any pet, (laughs) right? And I think they have to be really open-minded because cats will just keep surprising you, as you see in the Mm -hmm. 101 stories in the book. So you have to be flexible. You have to have that open mind. You have to have a sense of humor. And you have to be willing to make that long-term commitment, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just Mm -hmm. heartbreaking when somebody doesn't really think it through. If you get a kitten, you might be looking at a 20-year commitment. And so you need to be willing to make that commitment or know that you have a family member who will take the cat. You know, let's say you're older and you're like, okay, I'm not going to be able to 
take my cat when I move into an assisted living. But you need to have your daughter ready to take your cat. The good thing about cats, and we have a lot of stories about it in this book, is that they are open to change and they will they will move to another family member or a good friend. Um, or sometimes they'll just want to stay in your house. Like if you're moving out, they might say, bye, I'm staying here. I'll just live with the next people. You never know. But, but you know, they can make the change. Well, that's the thing I was talking about in the sense that where's the loyalty? The dog is there. No, I'm just kidding. I think you're right. But what I do like about cats is that, as I recall when I was growing up, they're very independent. And they know how to take care of themselves, whereas my dog, like, totally depend on me. And that can be unhealthy at times. Yeah, and cats are more likely to be able to be left alone overnight if you're Mm -hmm. going somewhere. And they Mm -hmm. won't eat all the food at once. If you leave them (laughs) food in some kind of dispenser, you know, they'll eat when they're hungry. Whereas a dog... (laughs) Some dogs, at least, will eat a month's worth of food all at once, you know, if you let them get away with that. Right, right. So true. What can you tell us about the amazing book cover? I totally love it. I'm telling you, it's just like that sort of sophisticated looking cat. I mean, this is like, it's funny because we talk about models this day, right? I mean, do they even have cat models now that you all have to hire and take a photo of? <laughs> we found we found this photo um, on iStack Photo, which is where we go for most of our cover images. But we had yeah. so much trouble finding the right cat because we wanted a cat that was beautiful, but also looked imperious and mm-hmm. you know commanding. Right. Like because the cat was basically looking right into your eyes and saying, "Hey, I know what I'm talking about. You better listen right. to me. I've yeah. got life lessons to tell you." So. The mm-hmm. first cat that we picked out, we showed the cover to Simon & Schuster, which distributes our books. Mm-hmm. And the Simon & Schuster salespeople didn't like our the first cat we tried. They said the cat was too scary. <laughs> and so, so we said, that's okay, funny. we got to try to find a cat that's imperious and looks commanding but not scary. And right, so right. we finally settled on this beautiful cat with this beautiful orange or marmalade you know, coloring and these gorgeous light green eyes. This is just the most beautiful cat. And they thought that this cat was the right mixture of beauty, but also authority. Right, right. I agree with that. It's like if I'm behind the camera, it's like, okay, attitude, attitude, give me some. (laughs) This cat definitely has catitude. (laughs) Definitely. Can you share with us the various chapters covered in the book? Yeah, and that's, a really fun part of my job. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I go through it and I pick out the stories that I want to use and then I make the chapters and I let the stories tell me what the chapters in the book should be. And mm-hmm. this was so much fun. So the first chapter is called Meant to Be and it's about these remarkable, um, like, I guess, similarities between the humans mm-hmm. and the cats and how. They're, you can just tell they're the perfect match for each other. And and that's very important, getting the right cat, you know, when you go to right. the shelter. And then the second chapter is called Wild Thing because cats are still kind of wild things. And so <laughs> we don't put stories in our books about cats going out and killing songbirds because that, we don't approve of mm-hmm. that at all and we would never condone that. But mm-hmm. cats can be wild things in other ways. They can go and hunt a Q-tip. You know, they'll go hunt something where it's completely fine that they're hunting it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we just have stories in there about cats doing these wild and crazy things. And then the third chapter is Who Rescued Who? Because that's what everybody talks about. You know, when they rescue a cat from the shelter or a cat that was wandering around in their backyard or the cat that was abandoned by the neighbors, whatever it is, they always end up saying that the cat really rescued them. The mm-hmm. fourth chapter is about those times when the cat is bad and you just have to laugh. And so it's called, the chapter is called My Very Good, Very Bad Cat. And then the fifth chapter is about this amazing ability cats have to be a natural therapist. They mm-hmm. just have this uncanny intuition and they'll know how 
a certain person needs care and compassion and sympathy. And even a cat that never showed any interest in helping any humans in the family ever, all of a sudden when a family member really needs special treatment, the cat will rise to the occasion and do it perfectly. And then chapter six is called Who's in Charge Here? Because, Mm -hmm. yes, cats can be the ones who are in charge. I mean, that's why they always say that, you know, cats, you don't own a cat. You're really staff for the cat. And then chapter seven is about some of these really amazing life lessons that help people be the best versions of themselves. And so chapter seven is called Making Better Humans. And then chapter eight is about these remarkably intelligent cats that do things that their staff members just can't believe. And so it's called (laughs) Smart Cat. Mm -hmm. Chapter nine is about those people who didn't think they were cat people. And sometimes it's a spouse. One spouse wants a cat, one doesn't. So chapter nine is called Learning to Love the Cat. And then chapter 10 is about weird, amazing coincidences or weird dreams after a cat has passed on, just Mm -hmm. weird things that you can't really explain away. And so chapter 10 is called Miracles Happen. Beautiful. That's wonderful. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading this delightful book? The number one thing I'd like them to gain Mm -hmm. is that when they're thinking about getting a new cat, they think first about getting a cat from a shelter because it's so important to keep those populations rotating in the shelters Mm -hmm. because if a cat Mm -hmm. is there too long, something bad might happen to the cat, this poor innocent cat. So you really need to get the cats out of the shelters. And we always try to include stories about people adopting black cats because those tend to get left behind in the shelters or senior cats. You know, and people are, they say, well, I don't want a senior cat because I don't want to only have the cat a short time because it's so heartbreaking. But you can flip that and you can say you're avoiding heartbreak for the cat and you're giving a cat a wonderful home for its last few years. And how meaningful is that? You know, you can be that person who keeps bringing in these older cats and making their final years so wonderful and you'll be such a good person, and you'll learn so much from the dignity of these older cats. Plus, you know, they'll be better behaved and, and a little right. less rambunctious, and sometimes that's, that's better <laughs> for you. So those are some of the things I'd want people to learn from reading this book. That's wonderful, truly, truly wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast uh, available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Cat, 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. Amy, let's talk about the stories in the book. I love all of them, but I can't choose all of them. <laughs> so we're going to take some stories at random that I kind of really, really connects with, and we'll talk about those, if you don't mind. So chapter one, Meant to Be, Bonded Brothers by Sarah Claudia. This was such a cool story because Sarah works at a shelter, and she was talking about these two Um, middle-aged cats, nine-year-old cats who were brothers. And they were, you know, very bonded with each other. And they Mm -hmm. were kept in the same cage in the shelter, very, very close. And they told everybody they would have to adopt them together. And nobody wanted to adopt both cats. So they were at the shelter for a while, and one of them needed surgery. And he went in for what was routine surgery. And he didn't make it through the routine surgery. And so the other cat, whose name was Denny, he was left alone in his cage. And, you know, he had no idea what happened to his brother, and he was so depressed. He wouldn't come out any longer to greet people who were looking to adopt him. And so, of course, nobody wanted him. Mm -hmm. And so for weeks he just sat in that cage alone and unwanted. And then this woman came in one day, And when she heard about this cat, 
she said, I have to call someone. And she returned half an hour later with this really sad-looking man. And the man went over to the cage. And Denny, who had not been willing to talk to any humans, you know, who was not presenting mm-hmm. himself as mm-hmm. a candidate for adoption, stood right up when he saw this man, came out of his cage and sniffed the man, rubbed his face against the man's hand, <laughs> and chose the man. And mm-hmm. the man said, I have to have this cat. And so he filled out the application, and then he came back the next day with a cat carrier to pick up Denny. And as he was leaving, he started crying, and all the shelter workers ran over to see what was going on. (laughs) And he said, I lost my brother to cancer six months ago. We were two years apart, and we were inseparable. He was my best friend. We talked every day. I miss him so much. This cat knows what that pain feels like. He knows I have lost a brother too. It's like we need each other and we will take care of each other. So it was incredible because this cat that had had this bond with his brother formed a new bonded pair with this man who had lost his human brother. And together, the cat and the human made a new pair of bonded brothers. Isn't that amazing? When I read that story, it, it's like, wow, that's all I could say. Right. It, it's amazing. How did the cat yeah. know? Like, right? Mm-hmm. How did it mm-hmm. sense that? That's what I was talking about, this remarkable intuition that cats have. It's Because that was just the strangest behavior. He hadn't been willing to talk to any potential adopters. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, he comes right out and rubs up against this guy. And obviously, the cat doesn't know anything about the man's history. He just sensed it somehow. Mm-hmm. I agree. Totally agree. In the same chapter, chapter one, meant to be, home is wherever I am with you by Mindy Picotti. Oh, yeah. yeah. So in this story, um, Mindy tells us that her neighbor's cat jumps in her window each night and sleeps in her bed. And so they become more and more attached to this cat. And so, yeah, I guess you were talking about loyalty before. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes the cat becomes loyal to somebody new. So this cat just wanted to be with Mindy. Mm -hmm. And so finally they talked to the neighbors, and the neighbors were moving, and the neighbors said, just keep the cat because the cat really loves you. Mm -hmm. And so um, the cat has stayed with them. So she picked them, and now as they move, she keeps moving with them. So I guess they can change their loyalties and then become loyal again, but to the new people. This story reminded me, based on my personal experience, respectfully, it's like, wow, the cat is like behaving like a dog because there's a sense of bonding and loyalty. It's like, I want to be with you, snuggling up, that kind of thing. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, and what we find is that the people who really love their cats, Mm -hmm. On the rare occasion when the cat does somehow choose a different home or chooses mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. people, or there are cats that we call timeshare cats, cats that live <laughs> with more than one family. And, you know, after mm-hmm. a while, the cats figure out that, I mean, the families figure out that, you know, their cat, whose name is Stripes, is the same cat that their neighbors keep talking about who call their cat <laughs> Tiger, and they're actually talking about the exact same cat. And so mm-hmm. they just learn they have to share the cat. Um, but yeah, if, if you really love your cat and in the rare instance where it decides to pick another family, yeah, you let the cat go because you have to let go, you know, the ones you love, at least, you know, the cat is in good hands. Right. Right. And this next story in the same chapter, I love chapter one meant to be a fearful introduction by Susan Cooper. Yeah, I don't, Susan, I mean, I, I thought the, the story could have started out, you know, I wanted to kill my husband because <laughs> they had a cat and her husband um, decided that they were going to ad, 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 adopt a lab mm-hmm. rat, a big rat from the science <laughs> lab at school. And he was sure that the rat would make a great pet and that the rat would get along with their cat. And mm-hmm. Susan was, pretty doubtful about this so anyway they brought the rat home and her husband just said let's just 
see what happens. So he opens up the cage, mm-hmm. lets the rat out, and the rat and the cat basically made friends almost immediately <laughs> and became incredibly good friends, like sleeping together, grooming each other, um, mm-hmm. playing together. They were best friends, you know, curled up together on the couch. So Susan said that she was wrong to think that two animals of different species wouldn't accept each other. And then the lesson she drew from that was, why can't we all do that, right? After all, Mm -hmm. people are all the same species. And why can't we get along with each other when here you have a cat and a rat getting along with each other? So I thought that was a very cool story. I'm so glad you brought that up because when I read that, of course, I mentioned to you, I grew up with a dog and a couple of cats. And what's interesting is that they were all being able to hang out together, right? So that's good. And then the flip side of the equation is that if you look at it very carefully, nowadays you have so many of those animals, whether it's cats and dogs and other animals, for some reason, I mean, people capture those wonderful videos of this different species getting together and hanging out. And yet we humans, like you were talking about, all of a sudden is going the other way around. <laughs> and I don't understand that. It's a change of time, but I love the story. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, it it was it it was definitely wonderful, and you're tr- it's true. Everything is so divisive, and the cat and the rat story. You know how Aesop like Aesop when Aesop's fables used to use animals to provide yeah. people with lessons for humans. And right, I think right. this is in the same category. Aesop could have had that story about the cat and the rat getting along with each other. <laughs> That's wonderful. Chapter two, Wall Thing, Shoe Bonanza by Beth Cato. So here's an example of a cat acting wild and crazy. So <laughs> Beth Beth was putting her home up for sale and she had these two indoor cats and she was really worried that the real estate agents would let the cats out by accident. Um, and so she happened to be home the first time all the brokers came by and they all took their shoes off as soon as they entered her house. And so she said there was basically a five foot by five foot square, you know, in the foyer of Mm -hmm. everybody's shoes lying around. And she said that her cat went crazy. He loves shoes. And so he was (laughs) sticking his nose in the shoes, flailing around in the shoes, you know, rubbing up against the shoes, just having a blast. And all the brokers got to know this cat that loved shoes as they continued showing the house. And <laughs> the cat was so famous for loving shoes that she never worried again that anybody would let the cats out. So it was just a cute story about a cat's funny behavior. Hey, it's cat friendly, people friendly. And that's what it's all about. And probably the cat helps to sell the house. <laughs> well, because it became known as that that house with mm-hmm. the cat. So you're right. It remains top of mind for all the brokers. <laughs> Chapter three, who rescued who? The cat no one wanted by Renee Vico Cinch. So this is a really good example of a cat being a natural therapist mm-hmm. and knowing exactly what to do. And so what happened to Renee was that her niece called and asked her if she would foster a pair of cats. And her niece had found them um, in the hollow of a tree. They, they were both declawed, so somebody had owned them at one point, but they had been abandoned, and they were so emaciated. And so uh, Renee, you know, built back their strength and got them healthy. And then one of them was adopted out, one that was very friendly. But the other cat was really aloof and hid underneath her son's bed all the time and nobody wanted to adopt this very unfriendly aloof cat. Mm-hmm. And so she kept the cat and gradually this cat began to sleep in her son's bed, not touching him, but, you know, very close to him and her son had Asperger's. And so there were some similarities in their behavior. And sometimes her son would have a really big meltdown where he would, you know, slam his bedroom door and be, you know, thrashing around in there, Mm -hmm. 
you know, talking about how it's not fair and just having a big temper tantrum. And the cat would help her son. Her son would lie down on his bed, you know, still really upset, and the cat would sit on top of her son, which is actually one of the recommended ways to help a child having, you know, a meltdown, an autistic Mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. It's that weight upon the child. And so the cat would be the weight on the child on top of his blanket. And so Renee says, it soon grew quite apparent that the cat had come into our lives for a reason. The frightened, aloof cat has developed an unusual bond with Benjamin. She seems to sense his special needs and appears to have her own sensory issues to boot. You know, she doesn't like to be touched. She hates loud noises. She favors solitude. And so they became really good friends, this cat that seemed rather autistic itself and then her son and so this this is why i put this in our chapter called who rescued who mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a beautiful story and it sort of amplify again because now we're talking about energies the sensing of one's emotional feelings and so forth it seems like they connected at that level and it's suiting for one another totally amazing yes I agree with you because a more boisterous cat might have mm-hmm. not interacted with her son in the appropriate manner because he wanted that more aloof kind of relationship where, you know, they mm-hmm. slept in the same bed but didn't necessarily touch each other, that kind of thing. Right, right. So true. Well, Chapter 4 is fun. My Very Good, Very Bad Cat, The Traveling Cat by Irene Moran. So Irene moved out of her home to a small apartment a couple of miles away, and her original home had had a yard with trees, and the new home was just an apartment. You know, there was a little fenced-in yard, but she was up on the second floor, so she couldn't just let her cats out. So she would, you know, the one cat that really wanted to go outside, she'd bring the cat down and let him out in the yard, but he was very unimpressed by this little yard at her apartment. (laughs) And so the cat went missing after she let him out one time. He went missing, and it turned out that he he showed up three days later at her old home, and the new owners of her home called her, and she went and picked up the cat, brought him back to her apartment. He went missing again. He went back to that home. (laughs) And it was two miles, which is a lot for a cat. I mean, he had to cross over a highway. He had to go through a park. He had to go through these busy streets. He had a lot of, he had to go over railroad tracks. I mean, it was a big deal for him to get to the old home. But he kept going back there over and over again. And so she finally decided to let him go because he really wanted to live in his old home. It didn't really matter who (laughs) the humans were. That that old house is where he wanted to be. And so the new owners ended up making her cat an official member of their family. But at least she knew he, he was okay and she had visitation rights. (laughs) <laughs> it's a cute story. It's the kind of thing like, hey, man, the party is over here. I'm staying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they do sometimes choose, like, if they're in the shelter, they'll choose their new owner or their new staff yeah. member, and yeah. they will occasionally choose where they want to live, and there's not much you can do about it. The interesting thing about it, though, the resourcefulness, because you're talking about that's quite the distance. Typically, we would think we are so protective of our cat, like, oh, my God, how is he or she going to survive out there? And this story tells us that when you look at the big picture, cats are pretty intelligent, pretty independent, and they know what they want. Yeah, I mean, if you had coyotes in your neighborhood, it wouldn't be so good to let the cat out. Right, right, right. In her case, it was okay. And yeah. she knew her cat would be okay in her yard at her old house. Like where yeah. I live, you could never let a cat go outside. Mm. I mean, you just wouldn't do it because a coyote would get the cat pretty quickly. Plus, the cat <laughs> might go out and kill songbirds, and that's yeah. a definite yeah. no-no. Chapter 5, A Natural Therapist, The Communal Cat by Shannon Kernaghan. So she had, um, her father became ill, and... Mm-hmm. Um, her father died, and Shannon's mom was, of course, very, very lonely. And Shannon had gone out with her cat to be with her mom 
while her father was ill and then when he died and through the funeral. And so her mom had really strict rules for cats. So she said, I like the cat, but I don't like cats on tables or on countertops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she left the cat with her mom. When, when Shannon back went back home, her mom kept the cat because she was so lonely. And her and Shannon was sending her mom checks to pay for the cat food and the cat's medical care. And her mom stopped cashing the checks because eventually the cat wasn't just, you know, a temporary guest. Mm-hmm. He really made the cat her own. And it was that cat that got her mom through her grieving period. And then as her mom aged, the cat was her constant companion. And sure enough, because Nobody ever maintains their rules. The cat ended up on top of the dining room table, on top of the countertops, <laughs> on top of any table that it wanted. And mm-hmm. her mom was just, oh, yeah, the cat's fine, no problem. So it was just very cute. And it was an example of a cat really being a therapist and going from one family member to another mm-hmm. as needed. We have a lot of stories in the book about that. Right, Somebody having right. a cat in one household of the family and then moving the cat to another household then the cat's needed in another household and then the cat moves to another household and it's with the same family and it sees the same people but it lives in different households as time goes on (laughs) that's wonderful when you look at something like this is that the cat picks up vibes and for whatever reason it is they're able to really connect with people in a very positive way. And this wonderful dance of energy is like, okay, we're connecting. And all of a sudden, it changes the individual inside out from that perspective. I think people learn about letting your love for the animal supersede any feelings you have of ownership or territory Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. giving up the cat to where it should be, where it's better off, or to the human who really needs the cat more, if the cat's willing, you know. So yeah, it definitely yeah. happens. And th- I know the next story on your list is in the same vein. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the one by Karen Green called She Came With the House. Mm-hmm. And this was interesting because Karen and her husband were visiting um, her husband's parents a few hours away from Toronto and it was this rural area and they had this crazy thought when they were there, maybe we should move out of Toronto and move to this quiet small (laughs) town in this more rural area. Maybe this is really what the place where we would be happier because um, Karen wanted to look for a new job anyway. And her husband had just finished, uh, you know, getting certified as an accountant and he was going to look for a new job And so they ended up looking at this house on a whim, and they loved this house that was in this small town. Mm -hmm. And the house had this really funny cat in it. You know, when you're showing a house, the humans (laughs) clear out, but the pets are still there. And this cat was basically showing them around the house. But the cat was giving them a tour of the house and really seemed to be walking into each room and saying, come and look at this room, as if it was the cat's house not the (laughs) human family's house. And so they finally were joking around with the real estate agent. You know, we want to take the house, but we want the cat too. But of course we know that people (laughs) are going to take their cat with them when they move. And then when they came close to the closing and they were doing their final inspection of the house and talking about how they were going to kind of miss their tour guide cat who always greeted them there. It seemed so proprietary about the house. The agent said, oh, they're having to give up the cat to a shelter because where they're moving, they can't have a pet. They said, well, we'll just take the cat. (laughs) And so the broker said, great, I'll tell them. And so they ended up taking the cat with the house because apparently it really was the cat's house. (laughs) Very cute story. Very, very cute story. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Cat. 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Chapter 7 brings a new touch to everything, which is 
what we talk about, but it's something very, very special. Making Better Humans is the title of the chapter and the story I like is A Ship in Wolf's Clothing by Sue Bonnebrake. So Sue adopted these two kittens when they were just five weeks old. Um, unfortunately, some horrible person had poisoned the mother cat. Mm. And there were five kittens that were under their neighbor's porch. And so... Um, Sue tried to get these kittens out for days, and they finally got all five kittens to come out from where they were hiding. And there were three really healthy ones and then two scrawny ones. And so Sue and her husband took the three scrawny ones because those would be harder to place. And they um, brought them up to, you know, a healthy weight and got them overall healthy again. And then they decided that they would keep them and they needed some more cats on their property uh, because they lived on a farm. And so they didn't um, spay or, you know, neuter in any way mm -hmm. the two little kittens who were both female. So the two kittens got pregnant and had their own kittens. And it was funny because these kittens were tiny, you know, when they were kittens. And they were still tiny <laughs> as adult cats. And there was a dog that lived at this farm, and the dog was terrifying. He was a real bully, and he would just come and bully these little cats who would run away afraid. And Sue was actually having the same problem in school. She was a teacher in this farming community, and there were these big boys who were bullying everyone else in the class and bullying her too. And she was this little five-foot-one teacher teaching English to these boys who didn't want to be in English class. And so she would just be worn out and frustrated at the end of each school day by these bullies. Anyway, after these kittens became adult cats and then became mother cats, um, Sue came home one day and found that the German shepherd was trying to, you know, attack the two mother cats with their babies. And these cats rose to the, rose to the challenge and these tiny little cats went right at this dog and scared him to death. <laughs> and this fierce dog ran away, totally humiliated him. <laughs> and from, from then on, any time that that big mean dog saw those little tiny cats, he would run away to the barn, which was hysterical. And so Sue <laughs> thought about that, and she thought, that, you know, these two cats, they met their bully head on, even though they were tiny. And then she thought, maybe this would work for me in my classroom. And so from then on, at the beginning of each school year, she would walk into that classroom like she owned it. And she would show <laughs> so much sureness and strength, even though she was five foot one and these boys in her class towered over her. And she says for the next 35 years until she retired as a teacher, she never had another problem with discipline in her classrooms, and she owes it all to these two little cats who stood up to that ferocious bully dog. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. I remember growing up in Malaysia and in school, except this is a little bit different. There was no cat in the picture, but picturing Sue, someone who is shot at five foot, and then you got all this towering boys, right? <laughs> and mm -hmm. she's a chili pepper, my former teacher like no one messes with her <laughs> she has that fiery yeah. spirit in her and we probably give her more respect than anybody else <laughs> you know you just have to walk into the room like you own it we get right, so right. many chicken soup for the soul stories that talk about how well that works mm -hmm. you just fake mm -hmm. it till you make it right you walk into that room <laughs> like you own it even if you're terrified mm -hmm. and then yeah. people will act like you do own it and then all of a sudden right. That self-confidence that you're faking will become yeah. real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Chapter 8, Smart Cat, Tricky Tiger by Michelle Roach. Okay, so talk about faking it. So Michelle <laughs> had this cat that was always making her let him in and out. You know, just mm -hmm. constantly making him... You know, let, she would have to, like 20 times a day, she'd have to stop what she was doing and let that cat in or out through the door. 
I mean, she'd be in the middle of cooking and her hands would be dirty and she'd have to wash her hands and stop what she was doing and let that cat out. And then one day she didn't move to the door quickly enough. She was lying down reading and much to her amazement, her cat opened the door himself. He stuck his little leg in between the screen door and the front door frame and then he actually let himself in because he didn't know that she was watching. And he walked over to the couch, curled up, and all of a sudden he looked up and he saw her there. And it was like he knew that she knew. And he was caught. And he just looked at her like, okay, fine, you caught me. But from then on, (laughs) he always let himself in and out. She never had to go to the door for him again. (laughs) I love it. Well, wanting her to open the door to me, that's what love is all about. I just want you to know that I need you. (laughs) I think the cat just wanted to boss her around. (laughs) Right, right. It's funny. It it really is. I mean, one would think the dog does that, but now the cat is doing that too. (laughs) Chapter 9, Learning to Love the Cat. And this is really cool. Perfect Love by Jean Farita. So anybody who has a family member who says, I don't want a cat, we're not getting a cat, (laughs) anybody who's in that position will take heart from this chapter, Learning to Love the Cat. And in this particular story, uh, Jean tells us that her husband really wanted a cat, and Jean didn't want one. She decided she was a dog person. But finally she gave in because she wanted her children to have the experience of growing up with a pet. And her husband took care of the cat. He had promised that he would be the one who would change the litter. He would feed the cat. He would do everything. And he did until they got a divorce. And when they got a divorce, he had to move into an apartment that didn't allow pets. So Jean got the cat. So, you know, she did the best she could with the cat. And to her surprise, the cat ended up becoming really important in her life because the kids went off to college and her mom who lived with them um, got dementia. Then her mom got cancer and all these things happened. And during all of these ups and downs of Jean's life, that cat was there for her and she became more and more friendly with the cat and dependent on the Mm -hmm. comfort that the cat provided. And then, Jean actually had a heart attack. Her mom died. So everything was happening to her, and yet the cat, she said, acted like a loyal dog. The cat would follow Mm -hmm. her into every room in the house. The cat would sit at her feet when she worked on the computer or watched TV. So Jean says, I survived my divorce, selling and moving into a new home, my children going off to college, my mother's death, my heart attack, all because of this cat. What she found impossible to endure was when the cat died. That was the worst thing. Mm-hmm. But then she took heart because somebody sent her a condolence card, and she was so grateful for somebody sending her a condolence card and recognizing that she truly had lost a member of her family. Because some people, they don't understand that when you lose, lose a pet, even if the pet is 20 and had a long life, Right. It's a really big loss. You have definitely lost a family member. Right, right. So true. What's interesting about the story is that the cat taught her to live in the moment. Forget about yesterday. Tomorrow is not here yet. Just live in the now. And the cat also showed her that she had someone who could remain a constant in her life despite all the other changes in her life. The cat was that one constant she could depend on. Mm-hmm. So true. Chapter 10, Miracles Happen. The story is Little Kitten's Paws by Connie Kesweta Pollock. So this is really an interesting story from Connie. Her husband was dying of cancer, and this little kitten just showed up one day, and the kitten stayed with her husband during the final six weeks of his life. The kitten was just with her husband nonstop and they, they made a little collar for the kitten 
And um, her husband's name was Larry, and they called the kitten Little Larry. And they put this red collar with the name Little Larry on it around the kitten's neck. Well, the night that Connie's husband Larry died, that kitten, Little Larry, disappeared. It was like he had just been there to keep her husband company during his final six weeks of life. And he really was such a comfort to her husband and to the whole family. But then a few months after her husband passed, Connie was woken one night by a little kitten walking across her bed. She didn't understand it. I mean, she knew that little Larry was gone and they didn't have any other cat, but there was definitely a kitten walking across her bed. Um, Somehow she wasn't alarmed by it. She just accepted it and fell back to sleep. The next morning, her son found the little red collar in the middle of the floor. It was the little red collar they had put on little Larry. But that collar hadn't been seen in all those months. The collar had left when little Larry left. And it was like little Larry had come back to visit and somehow wiggled out of his collar and left it for them. And so Connie says, we will most likely never learn how his collar appeared mysteriously, but it adds to my certainty that there was something quite miraculous about that little cat who appeared just when Big Larry needed him. So she's not (laughs) saying she has any explanation for this. She's just saying (laughs) this was an amazing, unexplainable incident in our lives, but here it is for the enjoyment of you reading stories about cats. So I thought right. that was a really cool story, and we can all come to our own conclusion as to how this miraculous event occurred. Right, right. It's a beautiful story, and I think, again, it's one of those stories that, like you say, we're not here to analyze it, but to truly appreciate the fact that this is something special when you talk about in the realm of spirituality and so forth. So I'm really glad that you included this beautiful story in the book. The next story in chapter 10, love this one. This is the last story, by the way, in the book. To me, it's a perfect ending. Mike 108 by Laurie Durham. So Laurie um, said that she was um, looking for a little kitten. Um, She was at the pet store and they were having an adoption event. Um, And so they were adopting, they were going to adopt a shelter cat. And there was this little kitten and she actually was looking for a male kitten because she had lost um, her cat named Jade. And even though Jade could be viewed as a female name, it had been a male cat and they had had Jade for 18 and a half years. So she was replacing Jade and Jade had actually been her son's cat, but her son had died. Um, so anyway, she was there and she was with her daughter looking for a replacement cat. And they found this little cat and her daughter had always loved the number 108. Um, for some reason, 108 had always appeared at important times in her life, like milestones in her life. And so, for example, um, She had told her mom that 108 always appeared at these important times, and then her mom found the parking tag that she had hung on her rearview mirror when she was pregnant with her daughter, and the parking parking tag number was 108. And then when they were returning home from her son's memorial service, there was this broken-down school bus on the side of the road near their house, and it was bus number 108. So anyway, they're looking at this kitten, And it was a female, though, and they really wanted a male because they were going to name Mm -hmm. the kitten Mike. Then they weren't going to take it because it was a female. And then her daughter said, Mom, look, look at the the number on the cage. And they looked, and the number that the the number, you know, the ID number for the Mm -hmm. kitten Mm -hmm. ended with 108. And the volunteer said, we just used the last three numbers. So this is kitten 108. So then they had to take the kitten But then they decided they would name her Mike because they had previously had um, a male kitten with a female name. So now they were going to have a a male, they were going to have a female (laughs) kitten with a male name. So they went home with their female kitten named Mike. And it was number 108. Their special (laughs) number. Yeah. I mean, people are really into numbers and how numbers 
will appear in their lives. So yeah, I put that yeah. in because I'm not really one of those people who cares about the number thing, but it is pretty interesting yeah. how that number right. always appeared during milestone events in that family. Right, right. And these are the subtle messages. Like I say, again, we are here to, to share with all the listeners and obviously the readers. And that's why it's called Miracle Happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of really amazing, unexplainable coincidences that people experience with their pets, and it's fun to share those stories. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Please give us a quick preview of Chicken Soup's summer lineup. So this, you know, this cat book is coming out today, and mm-hmm. it now mm-hmm. joins um, its companion book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Dog, which came out five weeks ago, and by the way, Johnny, mm-hmm. Life Lessons from the Dog has been, it, it has had the most amazing start. It's had huge sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up having to do an emergency reprint of 15,000 more copies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen such a strong start for any of our dog books. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking the same thing's going to happen with Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Cat. We did print extra because we learned our lesson from the dog book. Yeah. So I don't think yeah. that the stores will run out. So hopefully, yeah. you know, everybody who's listening will be able to find the book. And if the store has run out, you know, I'm sure they'll get it back in in a week or so or it can be ordered on Amazon. But the book is available at Walmart and Target and Barnes and & Noble and Books a Million and, you know, wherever you like to get your books. Now, after this cat book makes its debut. The next one in about four weeks will be Chicken Soup for the Soul, Running for Good, which mm-hmm. is really a cool book. It's about running and walking. And I teamed up with Dean Carnassus to make that book. So he and I chose the stories for that book together. And Dean is this crazy man. I, I love him. He's like a freak of nature, though. That's what I tell him. <laughs> I tell him he's a freak of nature because he can run 100 miles without stopping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like he could run a marathon before breakfast. He's the most incredible <laughs> athlete. He loves running. He is so inspiring for people who are, you know, runners who are running marathons, mm-hmm. and he inspires mm-hmm. them to keep doing it. And he's also so inspiring to people who are just starting out, even if they're just starting out, you know, walking a mile and trying to build up their strength. So right. that's coming out in June, and then – in August, we have a really cool book coming out, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels All Around, which mm-hmm. is going to be filled with all of these miraculous stories that you cannot explain away. So that's going to be really cool. So that's what's going on this summer at Chicken Soup for the Soul. Fantastic. Wonderful. As we close, we're all waiting for your recipes for living. So please tell us. So I have some recipes for living and becoming a better human and living a happier life. I, I got these, I got this recipe from this book, chicken soup for the soul mm-hmm. life lessons from the cat. So the first thing I picked up was that sometimes you do have to love and let go. And then the second tip I picked up from the book is that you should take that taking care of yourself should come first. Um, and so I, I, that's another thing I learned from the book is that you know mm-hmm. taking care of a cat is a great way of taking care of yourself and and reducing your stress level and you'll become healthier as a result of having this pet in your life. And then third is that trusting others' intuition can be life changing because there's so many stories in the book about a cat helping somebody avoid a disaster like a cat walking around a spot and then the human saying, okay, I'm going to walk around the spot and then the spot collapses. And if the human had been (laughs) walking in that spot, the human would have fallen into this big hole. And the fourth tip is to remember that it takes two to make a fight because you watch the cats and then you realize, Hey, if only one of them, you know, if one of them doesn't respond Mm -hmm. to a little aggravation from the other, there won't be a fight. And then find Five is accept it when something is meant to be. Like accept it when this cat picks you and it knows mm-hmm. that you're meant to be together. Like accept somebody else's feelings about what is meant to be. And so basically it's overall it's just learn to 
I guess, sit back a little bit and relax and accept what's happening. That sounds fantastic. Looks like you got a lot out of putting the book together. So that's really, really wonderful. Thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, May 21st. My guest will be Helen Brennan. She is an equine professional based in England. Helen is an accomplished writer, trainer, holistic therapist, and is passionate about horse welfare and respect them as sentenced beings. Helen and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey, the healing energy of horses, and her new book, Belief. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you so much, Johnny.